listening to Understanding Jonah. This is part of the Understanding the Old Testament series, trying to make the Old Testament accessible and something you can listen to on the go. Whatever you're doing during your day, you can pop in these short podcasts and hopefully it can help you be a better reader of the Bible and give you some more enjoyment as you read some of the more obscure books of the Bible. Uh, But the book we're looking at today, Jonah, isn't that obscure. I think a lot of us know at least the basic outline of Jonah's story. Jonah is a prophet. He's sent by God to preach to Nineveh, which is, uh, these are the enemies of the nation of Israel. These are not people that he would naturally gravitate towards. In fact, they're people that he pretty much despises because of their godlessness and their immorality, but that's who he's sent to. And Jonah, in response, uh, rejects God's call, and he goes the opposite direction. And it is in the belly of this fish that Jonah has a moment where he has to contend with God. Now, remember, a prophet is somebody who is part of God's divine counsel. He's somebody who actually converses with God, and it seems almost has an influence on what God does. Now, again, like I said in the first episode, this is not a book trying to hash out systematically or philosophically God's sovereignty and man's agency. This is a narrative that's trying to teach us something about the grace of God. And we need to come to this on its own terms, not trying to force questions upon it. So Jonah here, as a member of God's divine counsel, is struggling with God. He's speaking to him. And what you see is this is a microcosm of Israel's story. So Jonah cries out to God for deliverance. Well, that harkens back to when the Israelites cried out to God, when they were under oppression by the Egyptians. They were in slavery. So the Old Testament is filled with recurring themes. And the Exodus is one of those major themes. So an Exodus is when God delivers a people out of distress, out of slavery, into freedom. So Jonah is Exodus out of the sea into a fish. And soon he will be Exodus out of that fish back onto dry land. So God does not leave Jonah to die in the open waters, but he uses the fish as a vessel of salvation. And he delivers Jonah from certain death. But he doesn't immediately spit Jonah out. He keeps him in the fish for a few days because he wants to actually deal with Jonah's heart. And Jonah in exile much like Israel will be in exile in a a few short centuries, has time to reflect. He has time to mature a little bit. God has noted that Jonah's reaction to run away from the call of God is very childish, especially for a prophet. So Jonah, in the depths of the sea, in the belly of this giant fish, has no one to cry out to except God. Now, the depths of the sea, this is symbolic Uh, This is something that signifies the realm of death. It's an endless abyss. And the language that you hear in Jonah reflects that. So I'm going to read out chapter two, and I want you to pay attention to the entombed language, the, the grave language, the death language that you hear in this chapter. This is Jonah chapter two. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. 
And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So Jonah's spending time in quote-unquote exile, and the language that we hear is very death-like. So he's cast into the heart of the sea, and the waves are covering over him. It's like a tomb. The waters close in. The deep surrounds him. He's wrapped by weeds, which reminds you of being mummified. It's almost like he's being wrapped up in cloth to be buried. And the bars are being closed upon him. He's seeing his life slip away before his eyes. And in the midst of all of that, he remembers the Lord. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. He cried out. And before he was going to die, God swallows him up. God brings him into the belly. He's getting this time to contemplate the error of his ways. And he realizes that he's going to give thanksgiving to the Lord. That he's not going to turn away from the Lord this time. And he says, one day I'm going to see the holy temple again. I know that me being in the belly of this fish is not the end. Now, we see a little glimpse of humility. He reflects upon God's past mercies in hope that God might save him again. And he actually believes that God will answer those who cry out in distress. Again, this is Exodus language. The Israelites cried out in distress and God heard them and Exodus them. He freed them. And Jonah's hope is that God is not done with him as well. So he mentions that those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Now, he was just on a boat with a bunch of pagan sailors and they were trying to call out to their idols, but they weren't going to help them. Idols, after all, are dumb, blind, deaf, and in control of nothing. Pagans have to save their idols from burning buildings. Pagans make their idols out of their own hands, but the one true God makes all of creation. He is the master of the seas and of the land and of all creatures. And you're going to see that this has a big effect on the way that Jonah views himself and his call. To worship idols is to forsake the hope of steadfast love that the one true God of all creation gives. Your idols can't love you or help you when you need them. They are not worthy of your faith but God is. And so Jonah actually begins to shout out with thanksgiving. And he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's a gift that he bestows upon those whom he loves. Jonah at his lowest point is still God's prophet. He's still God's son and God is not done with him. Now, Jonah is exodus out of the belly of the, of, the, of the fish and put back onto land. And now the question is, will Jonah have a change of heart? Will what he learned in exile stick? Did he learn his lesson? Did he mature? And the same question is presented to Israel. When God brings them out of Babylon, will they be faithful or will they forsake the Lord again? Now the same question is presented to us. Will we be faithful until the end? Sometimes God uses suffering and trials to, to 
shake us awake from our apathy. And sometimes we are in a period of our own exile when we're wrestling with the Lord, wondering what we're supposed to do, or we recognize the error of our ways and we're still facing the consequences and we're thinking to ourselves, Lord, how do you want me to mature in this? How do you want me to grow? What are the things that you're teaching me? And we have to be prepared when God spits us out back onto the land, when, when God finishes his course of discipline and brings us back to a place where we can walk in his blessing, are we going to take it for granted again? Are we going to presume upon his grace? This is what faith is for. God requires that we believe his promises. And faith also is what is the engine for obedience. When God says, arise and go, we should say, Lord, I trust you. I will go. And we have to remember that salvation belongs to the Lord. That God is the one who saves us. That God is the one who brings us into his family and not only saves us, but he grows us up and raises us as his own sons. And that he seeks to renew us. And sometimes that renewal comes through a difficult process of discipline. Maybe you're in the middle of a trial now. Maybe you're finding that you are reaping the consequences of some actions that you did years ago or some habits that you've had. Well, It's a time to repent, a time to confess those things, a time to reflect and meditate on ways in which the Lord is changing you and redirecting you. But it's also a time to hope and to rejoice and to say, Lord, you will deliver me. You have delivered me. And I know that you are using this time for your good purposes, even though I've screwed up. So Jonah is a story of disobedience, but it's also a story of hope for people who disobey.